you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you, Buck. How's it going, man? Life is good, DJ. Like, we are having a great time. It's a great time because it's this part of the year where we're in mini camps, OTAs, like, all the stuff is going. Uh, we got the NBA finals that are upon us. Baseball is in full earnest. We got people fighting people over fantasy football things. I didn't know I would ever see that. So, nah, it's good. Things are good. What's up with you? First of all, I'm not going to defend Tommy Pham, okay? He doesn't play for the Padres anymore, and he's a, he's. A but he was. He, I feel like I felt like there was a DJ fight. He was yeah, defending the defending Padres' himself. honor. Yeah. I felt like I, I look. I've I've been in. Truth be told, I've been in one fight in my life, okay? And the fight consisted of a summer league basketball game, uh, of it escalating, and me pushing a guy, somebody grabbing me behind my arms like this, when my arms are like on my side, and I got punched in the face. And then, uh, and that was, and I couldn't get to them. They separated us. So that's the only fight I've ever been in my whole life. It's a total silver spoon existence here, Buck. I, I, I admit it. But if I was going to be in a fight as an adult, which I don't think would ever happen, but a combination of fantasy football and making fun of the Padres probably would have been my my best bet if you're going to try and get me into a fight. <laughs> that is, it is so unbelievable. I really appreciate, um, <laughs> I appreciate someone being uh, a guy who has a code. And obviously, he lives by the code, man. He lives by the code. Like he felt like he was he was being disrespected. He didn't (laughs) appreciate the images that were sent over. And he felt like he had to defend the honor of the Padres, even though he was no longer a member of the Padres. He had let this build up. He's like, when I see him on site, it's on. And it was on. Here's my thing. Maybe if he would have channeled a little bit more of that passion to actually hitting the baseball, uh, the pods wouldn't have collapsed last year. That would have helped us out a little bit. But yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. He's an intense he's dude, funny. though, man. He is an intense dude. He doesn't play. I, I was just thinking of uh, uh, of A Few Good Men. You remember in that movie? Yeah. In that movie, they talk about the code and it goes, yeah. uh, <laughs> I believe in core thing. What is it? What is it like? God. The uh, uh, oh, God, honor, and code, or something like that. Something like that, yeah. That was but Tommy yeah, Pham, man, he doesn't mess he's around, not, he does not mess around. He was letting it be known that he does not appreciate it, he's not putting up. We're not tolerating that kind of behavior, no. not at all. Um, all right, today's episode, uh, we are going to do a little draft, which is always fun to do in the off season. Of if we're going to look over the next five years to forecast basically buying futures here of teams that we would want, we think. Five years from now, who's going to win the most Super Bowls? Now you think maybe a team could win two. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe we see a little dynasty and we give somebody a rip off three and five years. But we're going to try and draft the teams. We'll go ping pong back and forth of who we are we are highest on over the next five years to hoist the trophy. Not talking about good years, pro bowlers. No, nah, no. Nah. We're talking about hoisting the Lombardi trophy. So we're going to have like that it. draft. We've got some, uh, some uh, listener questions that Nabil has pulled from Apple Podcasts. So if you, again, leave us a rating and review, drop a question in there, uh, we'll eventually get to those. So we're going to get to a couple of those questions at the end of the episode today. Uh, But I want to start off with the fact that my man Bucky is in a hotel room right now. So tell everybody (laughs) where you are, what you're doing, and what you've seen here, Buck. 
Okay, so I am down uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, I have a connection with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, doing their broadcast stuff, their color on their preseason games, and maybe more as, as we get down the line. But So I'm in town to kind of check them out, see them for a few days, see what it looks like, uh, because when they have minicamp, we will be at the NFL Summit uh, getting schooled up on how to be even better at the jobs <laughs> that we currently do. And so it's been great, man. It's been great to – come down here because there's so many connections for me down here. Doug Peterson and I played together with the Green Bay Packers. There are a bunch of guys on their coaching staff that um, I know just from the bond of being a former player and those things. But really, man, it was really the excitement of seeing where Trevor Lawrence is right now compared to where he was last year when we last saw him. And DJ, I'm going to say this, and I know they've been very quiet down in Jacksonville about the optimism that they have, but he, he, he looks good, man. He is mm-hmm. the real. And I know we'll talk about practice being one thing, and it's different when the game uh, ends. But I think, DJ, you obviously are around Justin Herbert, and I would assume that your expectation at practice, the standard is the ball doesn't hit the ground. Yeah. Like when you're watching those guys go through uh, the individual, the group session where they're going on air and those things, there is a crispness to the way that they approach it where the ball just doesn't hit the ground. And it's not only that the ball doesn't hit the ground, but the quarterback is consistently delivering the ball in the strike zone. And so for the viewer and listener, I want you to understand the strike zone is like that box where we talk about your shoulders to your waist doesn't really stretch much outside of that. The elite quarterbacks, they do not make the wide receiver work. And so I come down and I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence and it's like, he is painting the corners. He is delivering strike after strike. And then when you see him go to the, team part part of the drill seven on seven and team same thing the ball is consistently delivered on time and on target and so what it did for me was kind of the it kind of reaffirmed what I thought about him from a talent standpoint yeah I can see why he's the number one overall pick yes I can see him as someone who could evolve to being a franchise caliber quarterback based on his talent but now he has to go do it but I think it was great to see him and say yeah, this guy is exactly what I thought he was just from a talent standpoint when he goes out and works in practice. Yeah, how about anybody stand out who he's throwing the football to? Uh, look, the, the guys that they brought in, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones was always there, and Evan Ingram. So when you go and you watch them, the first thing that you look for, okay, who are the first ones out? Travis yeah. Etienne was back. How did so, he look, by the way, Etienne being He looked pretty good. I mean, he catches the ball really well. I think he's still kind of working himself back into, like, peak form in terms of the same burst and explosiveness that we saw at Clemson. But, DJ, their 11 personnel package, when you tried out those three wide receivers that I talked about, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, you have Evan Ingram out wide, you have Travis Etienne playing in the backfield. When they, they did some empty stuff where they went five out. Yeah. A lot of explosiveness in terms of route running creativity where the ball can come out and you can see them living in that world a little bit um, and going. And then, like, I had a quick conversation with with Doug uh, going onto the practice field. And he was like, look, man, this system is not one where you have to have all A's. You can win with, like, B's and those things. I was telling him, like, my theory. And he was like, just go back and look to the team they went to the Super Bowl with with the Philadelphia Eagles and what was out wide, Mm -hmm. you know? I think it was Nelson Aguilar, Torrey Smith, Ashan Jeffrey, yeah. uh, Zach Ertz. You know, he said, didn't have a thousand yard receiver, didn't have a thousand yard rush. Yet collectively, they were good enough where the ball could come out and they could make plays happen. And remember, Carson Wentz, for most of the year, played at an MVP level. 
Yeah. And so when you think about the quarterback and how the quarterback can raise the level of performance around, yeah, I think there's a reason why they're optimistic. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. I would say the goal for the Jaguars would be to be competitive and to be in the conversation down the stretch. Um, if we talk about, they talk about, they just want to be in the graphic, the yeah. graphic where you're in the hunt, who is in the play, playoff hunt the last month. See, if they're in that conversation where they're just in the conversation to maybe be a playoff team, I think it'd be a very successful year for them. Uh, I don't know how much you got. I mean, like I'm asking a lot of questions about just being out there for an afternoon, but anything on the young uh, draft picks, the defensive side of the ball where they loaded up oh, with those guys? DJ. like so give, give it to me. Full, full disclosure, like I've been around the guys a lot, and I've seen Trayvon Walker. That's a big man. <laughs> DJ, but like you have no idea, right? So the last time we saw Trayvon Walker in college, right, we saw him in a three-point stance. He was inside, maybe playing like some five technique. DJ, he is out wide, standing, standing up. up. Wow. So this is a team that is playing a 3-4 defense. And so and just looking at potentially what the starting lineup could be, you had Trayvon Walker standing up on one side, Josh Allen standing up on the other side. Um, you have Foke Olaquan on the inside at linebacker, Devin Lloyd, the other inside linebacker. Three big guys yeah. up front playing coverage. And DJ, the thing that you can see is – Trayvon Walker coming off the edge. I don't know if he has a move to first, but I know this. That is a big man coming downhill. And if he puts his hands in the middle of your chest, he's going to be able to set the edge. And so playing a 3-4 defense where you're able to utilize that kind of athlete is terrific. And so I would say this, and this is all they have to do when you think about an outside linebacker. He only needs to drop 20% of the time to be a viable threat. He can do that. He He did it in Georgia. Right, so he doesn't need to be a 100% pass rusher, but if he can come off the edge 80% and just show that he's functional in space 20% of the time, what it does is it changes the dynamic when you're facing the team. And with blitz pressure and what we call simulated pressure, where you're only rushing four, but that fourth rusher can come from anywhere on the second level, it can be problematic. You can already see that this is a more athletic defense than they were before, and you can see athletically Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd look the part that you want a first-round pick to look like. I mean, the guy they signed last year, too, and Roy uh, Robertson Harris looks the part getting off the bus. I mean, that's going to be a big – it's going to be a big, good-looking group up there in that front seven. Chad Muma, the third-round pick, so they've got kind of three inside linebackers for those two spots. Um, you've got big corners there. Tyson Campbell and Shaq Griffin are two good-looking corners. Um, uh, keep an eye on, like, look, they, they Andre Sisco. To say okay, to Syracuse. Yeah. yeah, he's he's backing in the mix. He's on there. And anyone who watched him at Syracuse knows he can get his hands on the ball. Yeah, His ability to be able to float and roam in space, like he looks really good. Um, look, man, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is a team that can go to the Super Bowl or whatever. But I would say that they should be a very – be better. Team. Yeah, they should be better because they're better organized. There's a sense that Doug Peterson has in standing in front of the podium and standing in front of the team. He knows what he's doing. That gives you a chance because when the team has confidence in the coach, that goes a long way. So we'll see what it looks like when they play. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump into our little draft here. Uh, you ready? Let's do a little. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it. I guess you just futures, right? This is yeah. this is five years from now. You get this team. You get to own this team for five years. At the end of the five years, the winner is going to be whoever collects the most Super Bowls uh, during that time. So it's your team versus my team. We're going to draft teams here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a gentleman, and I'm gonna give you the first pick, Buck. You get to draft the team; they're yours for the next five years. It is there's no prize for second place. You hoist the trophy, you, you get a point. Who's gonna have the most points here at the end? Go for okay. It. So so in a five year period, the goal for me would be who is the team that can race to two. Yes. Who are the team can, that can who can two win two out two out of five here? Who, who can five. do that? So, and it might be year one and two. It could be year four yeah. and five. So so naturally, I'm gonna go with the defending Super Bowl champions because if I can get the deal done with Aaron Donald, I have superstars at least for the next three to five years. I got Matthew Stafford on the contract. I got Cooper Cup. I'm sure we'll get him a new contract. He'll be around. So in just thinking about the star power that they currently have, Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup. I have Cam Akers. I have Aaron Donald. I have Jalen Ramsey. I brought back Bobby Wagner. I'm thinking those first two years, that might be the opportunity to cash in. Year one this year, being able to do it. And then if they win this year, then we're talking about a potential three-peat. It's hard to do that, but I am willing to bank on the LA Rams being one of the teams that's able to race out to get two of the next five years. And that would be enough to keep us in the conversation. All right. I like it. I like it here. You're going with the Rams going to the NFC. Uh, it's a tough division that they, they've got a tough division, but the conference is down. The conference overall is down. And you're going to get in the tournament. They're going to get in the tournament for sure. Even if they didn't win that division for some reason, you know, they're going to get in. So you're going to be in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs every year. I like that pick. All right. I'm going to get crushed for this. I already know it, but I'm doing it anyways because I'm really doing this off of what I would do. I Full disclosure, I. You're wearing your Jag stuff. You're there yeah. doing stuff with the Jags. We're always very transparent. I call the games for the Chargers. Yeah. I get it. Bring all the hate that you want. I would take the Chargers with my first pick. Ooh. You give me them for the next five years. Next five years. Next I've five got years. a quarterback who is already elite, who I don't even think is is hit the ceiling yet. Like he's still getting better. They have an off. Uh, they have a top tier offensive line. He's got weapons. He's got multiple running backs. Their offense is going to score points. I mean, I'm not worried about that at all. Last year, they were on the doorstep. They were one play away from getting into the postseason yeah. with a defense that was terrible, yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. And now they have completely rebuilt this entire defense. So I've got a premier offense that is still getting better. And now we they've added the pieces to, to put together on this defense. And I know the division's brutal. I get that. And I know the conference is brutal. But when I look at quarterback and pass rushers, like that's my that's kind of my thing. I've been preaching that forever. Like you want to win championships, you get a, a premier quarterback, and you get guys that can get to the quarterback. I think they have that, and they've got some youth there. So I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna stay in L.A. We went L.A. pick one, L.A. pick two. I'm gonna go Chargers with my first pick. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm hearing you saying because we're talking about quarterback and quarterback play. I mean, I won't put words in your mouth, but if you got the best quarterback in the division, that gives you an opportunity to get in the tournament. And so now we're having the conversation, Justin Herbert versus Pat Mahomes and everybody else in the division. I think you can make a reasonable case. I think you make a strong case. He's the best quarterback in the division. Talent-wise, what he's done the first two years in the league, the way he is able to kind of – look, man, Brandon Staley talks about having a dude, talking about a superstar quarterback. I don't know if I've ever heard a head coach come so strong in his advocacy of his young quarterback. That's how strongly he feels about Justin Herbert, that he's willing to go for it on fourth down and do all those things. I think that speaks volumes. The offense that they currently have intact, those wide receivers are terrific. I'm telling you, man, I'm a believer in Isaiah Spiller. I believe Isaiah Spiller coming over. I believe he certainly has a dimension to this offense. I think he allows them to reset the pecking order and put Austin Eckler back in the best position for what he does, the best role, which is 
change of pace, dynamic weapon, particularly in the passing game. I like it defensively. You talked about it. Brandon Staley was not able to do what he really wanted to do defensively. They talk about not letting the ball fly over the head, being able to play zone, eyes on the quarterback, pickoffs. J.C. Jackson is a ball magnet. 17 Look, interceptions the last two years. That's what that's what I'm saying. So let's start. We we let, and we'll finish and we'll keep the pick up the pace here. But when we talk about the premier positions, quarterback Justin Herbert, pass rusher Bosa, you could throw Mac in there mm-hmm. as well. Corner J.C. Jackson, left tackle Rashawn Slater. I'm like, what? Tell me what I'm missing. You talk about the defensive playmaker that you have to have in Derwin Derwin James. James. I mean, check so, check check. It's about we don't talk about this enough in the NFL, we always talk about it in basketball, about stars. DJ, is still about your stars. The teams the that win have. the Super Bowl, it's about star power. Even go the season before, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won because their stars played great in big moments. It is about star power. And when we look at the star power that the L.A. Chargers have assembled, they have enough firepower to win the whole thing. Reasonable choice. And the quarterback is young. All right, let's keep it rolling here. You get your second pick. Who you got? Man, it's about quarterbacks. If it's about quarterbacks, let's go with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That was my next Josh pick. Josh Allen is one of those dudes. We talk about the top five quarterbacks. If we can get out of our norm of talking about the old guard, the guys that are always there, the guys that have been there for the last decade, you have to include Josh Allen in the conversation. I am more impressed with Josh Allen now than I was the season before when he played at an MVP level. What he is able to do, not only as a thrower, but as a runner, puts immense pressure on the opposing defense. This is a guy who plays the game almost like a throwback quarterback, like a single wing quarterback, because he can win with his arm or his feet. He can get in and out of trouble uh, by avoiding and evading. He can run in critical situations to get touchdowns and first downs. He has a wet, a, a cast of weapons around him that will only continue to grow. We can talk about Stefan Diggs being one of the best wide receivers in football. Gabriel Davis's emergence in the postseason. I think there was a forewarning, a foreshadowing of what's to come. Finding a role for Isaiah McKenzie, who had an opportunity to step in for Cole Beasley a season ago, that is big. But the addition of James Cook behind him, if they're able to get a credible running game with the running back being able to tote it 15 to 18 times, it's problematic. I love what the Buffalo Bills are assembling, and that is without even talking about what I call the workmanlike defense that they have. Team defense. defense that gets after it. I love it, man. I think it's going to be hard to hold this team down. The only problem that they have is the AFC is loaded with quarterback playing good teams. It is a tougher road being in the AFC than I would say in the NFC. But, man, give me the Buffalo Bills. I think they can win two and five. Yeah, they're, they're, their thing that's working in their favor as well is that, you know, we talk about the conference, but the division, the, the gap between them and everybody else in that division, I think, is still significant. I mean, yeah. They're, they're in a better spot than, than everybody. Now, I know you're going to see Miami and the Jets are improving. New England's always going to be good. They're going to be competitive. But the, the upside and what they have right now, ready to win right now, I think Buffalo over these next five years, uh, that's a heck of a pick. Um, okay, I'm going to give you a history lesson, then I'm going to make my pick. Okay, let's go back. This is an era of football that we loved. Okay, let's go to the 90s, Buck. You ready for this? All right. So in 19, the Super Bowl of the 1990 season, the Giants beat the Bills. The following year, Washington beat the Bills. The following year, Dallas beat the Bills, and Dallas won another one. So you had three teams from one division win Super Bowls in a row. So with that being said, we over these next five years, we're going to see two teams from the same division win Super Bowls, and I'm going to go mm-hmm. with the Kansas City Chiefs 
with oh, my next yeah. pick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can say, okay, let's maybe it's redundant. No, I think that I think that there's a very real chance. And you could put, look, Denver's going to be better. I know I'm a little higher on Denver than you are, but you've got Denver, you've got the Raiders. I think with mm-hmm. those four teams, I think there's a very real possibility that we see two of those teams hoist the trophy uh, over the next five years. It's going to be a battle-tested division. The teams that come out of there are going to be hardened. They're going to be ready for the bloodbath that is the AFC playoffs. Um, but you've got Patrick Mahomes, the elite of the elite. They've kind of rebuilt the rest of this roster without Tyreek Hill. He's he's mentioned it the other day. You're going to spread the ball around all those weapons. I think they've put more resources on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm big AFC West guy here. Wow, wow, that is a good pick. That that that's who I had in mind. Kansas City was one of the teams to talk about because I think you have to kind of have a sense of how to win and how to win in the postseason to be able to do it and do it multiple times. They certainly have that experience. Andy Reid has that experience. So that gives them a chance. I, I mean, look, I, I like it. I, 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 that division will certainly bear fruit when it comes to championship caliber teams. I can see that being a division where they're always kind of feasting on each other, but survival of the fittest, the team that survives and advances is the team that wins it. So yeah, I'm, let's do, I'm okay let's do that. one more round. So we'll go round three here. Final round of our, our futures draft here over the next five years. Go ahead, Buck, your final pick. Oh, this is tough, DJ. Like, this is tough because now we're we're beyond the obvious choices, right? And so what we're trying to do is hang a little bit on the past while looking ahead to the present and the future. Yeah. And so I'm going to say this team, and even though it's been a long drought for the team that I'm about to mention, I... I already know who you're picking. Hold on, hold on. Don't tell tell me. I'm going to write it down and then then, uh, I'll see if I got inside your head here. I mean, it's been a long time. It's been a really long time since the team has won Hold and on. dominated the high level. But I just feel like this team has to get it right now. Go ahead. They have to get it right now. So I'm looking at how this team is drafted, and they drafted so well for so long. Here we go. We're going to go with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Yes. Come yes. on. I, I was already in your head, man. I already I mean, yeah, let, Let's look at how this team has traditionally knocked it out of the park with their first-round picks. At some point, they're going to knock the door down. And I know it's been 20 plus years since this team has been uh, the darling of the National Football League. But you have a young quarterback in Dak Prescott who should be ready to really explode. He's played at a high level when he's been healthy. I think he bounces back to play that. You have young star players all around the roster. You have Michael Parsons, who I would expect to be a defensive player of the year very shortly. You have a bit of a boom or bust player, but he's at a key position, Trayvon Diggs. Lots of, ball, lots of ball production. Yeah. Lots of ball production. Give up some plays, but say he cuts down those plays. And then you have a wide receiver and a playmaker in C.D. Lamb, who now steps into the number one role. If they can tighten up the offensive line and kind of play the right way, yeah, this is a team that certainly has the talent to be able to get it done. And I'm banking on Will McClay and their, their team, their scouting team, their front office team, being able to continue to do what they've done in the draft. They do that. They eventually gonna knock the door down. So give me the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I'm with you on that. I, I would have taken the Cowboys with my next pick. I didn't. Once you started kind of describing, it, I was like, oh, there they go. They're gone. Uh, but they do. They have. They have. I believe in Dak Prescott. I believe in the weapons they have around him. They've got to put it together. The division's not. You know, it's not a murderer's road division there. So you've got an opportunity to get in the postseason every year. They should uh, with their roster. Then they gotta. They gotta find a way to win a championship. So you go with the Cowboys. My last pick, again, there's a lot of options to choose from here. You've got 
uh, a team in the Green Bay Packers who, you know, even if you say Rodgers, you know, next mm-hmm. two years and maybe you start to see a fall off, they've got a chance to, to win at least one here over the next couple of years um, should still be the best team inside that division. Um, and the, the other team I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Cincinnati Bengals is a, is a team that I love just in the Super Bowl. With Joe Burrow, he's not going anywhere. Um, I, I want to buy him, but I think that it's the last pick. I think you got to go with a little bit of a wild card here. Uh, go off the grid. My final pick is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. <gasps> Let's go. The Niners? So, so with Trey Lance? That's what we're saying? Here, here's what we got. Do I think that Jimmy Garoppolo was a special, dynamic, elite quarterback? No. Do I think that team was in the postseason with him consistently? Team was in, you know, was in the Super Bowl with him. I, I actually think Trey Lance, I said it when they drafted him, I think he can give them something that they have not had. He can take that group to another level. Um, you look on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think there's a pass rusher in the league I would take over Nick Bosa going forward. I, I know that there's some dynamic guys. I get Miles Garrett, but, man, I, I've seen Nick Bosa just wreck games, just completely wreck them. So you've got a young superstar pass rusher. You've got the best scheme in football. I'm at – Everybody's mimicked Kyle Shanahan, but there's still only one Kyle Shanahan. So I've got that going. Um, you've got other dynamic players on that offense that you can mix in. Debo Samuel, obviously, to get get that thing worked out going forward. They're going to score points, and they're going to rush the passer. So that's what that's kind of what I'm sticking with. Now, I'm buying on Trey Lance blind a little bit here. No, we haven't seen it. But I know, worst-case scenario, Buck, they are going to bludgeon people on the ground with him. So uh, that's why I'm going I'm to go with the 49ers. Look, I, I can't blame you for, for being in a conversation. I think the unknown is all about the quarterback. This is a team from looking at their offense, the way they run the football, they're always going to be able to control the game and control the, the tempo of the game. Uh, the way Kyle Shanahan is able to dictate the terms and then make it very easy for the quarterback, you would like to think that Trey Lance will be able to settle in and have success because worst case, the boot passing game, should create easy half-field reads, easy throws, layups uh, for the quarterback. You can do that. that that's going to give you an opportunity. But defensively, they're built the right way because they've always poured their resources into building up the front line. And as long as they have a dominant front four, it's going to give them an opportunity. Nick Bosa is one of the best pass rushers in the game. He can take over the game at any time. Eric Armstead is young and dynamic and disruptive. That gives them a chance. They're going to be in the conversation. And to be on this list, you need to have a team that you can look at and say, will this team always be in the discussion? You can say that the 49 is going to be in the conversation. But like you mentioned about the AFC West, the NFC West could have a couple of teams that make multiple runs at the Super Bowl just because they're talented, despite division being loaded. Yeah, I should say, look, I mentioned them being in the playoffs every year. I know they have missed years. Jimmy G's had injuries. When Jimmy G's been healthy, they've been a, a playoff team. And I think now with Trey Lance, um, it gives them so, something different. Uh, it's going to maybe take a little while to find their sea legs here early in the season. But I'm, I'm buying them over the next five years to go get one, uh, go chase a trophy down. So you go Rams, Bills, Cowboys. I've got Chargers, Chiefs, Niners. So maybe we kind of set this up in the video. You kind of give us a little vote here. Wh- which one do you like? A little poll here. Which one of these teams would you uh, would you buy for the next five years? I think it was a fun little exercise there, Buck. It's always a fun exercise when we, we get a chance to look at the team building component, look at how they're built, forecast based on what we know about the guys who are building the team, how they continue to add pieces to it, and then it's all about the quarterback play. 
you have to have an A-level quarterback to be in the conversation. And so that, I think, are the common denominators in the teams that we're mentioning outside of the unknown in Trey Lance. We're saying that Trey Lance is going to become one of those guys. We'll see. Yeah, a little bit of a gamble there. Um, All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and answer some of these questions. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Nabil, jump on in here. Uh, you got to help us out here. I know we've got a couple questions uh, from the reviews there on Apple Podcasts. Again, if you want to get a question answered or you have an idea for an off-season segment here, uh, give us a shout there. Leave us a rating and review and, uh, and hit us up. What do you got here, Nabil? We got three. We got three questions. Go ahead. Yeah, we have three questions. The first one is on tipping points on rosters. So what are the non-negotiables when building a roster? And this is from Moose Report. All right, Buck, what, what do you think? I always kind of go back to, man, you don't want to be a team that's constantly collecting guys that have been hurt. Um, hurt guys stay hurt. You know, that's kind of that old saying. I think that's kind of one of the non-negotiables for me in a roster building standpoint. Uh, I don't think you ever want to get caught with a team that's uh, that's got a lot of injuries. I also don't think you want to end up with a little team either. You know, I'm all for speed as much as the next guy. But to me, I think you're trying to build a, a bigger team as well. Those would be the two for me. Yeah, no, I think bigger, faster, stronger is a place where you can't go wrong. Uh, I think you have to make sure that you have blue chippers in the key spots. We've talked about this multiple times in the conversation previously. Uh, I believe you got to have a blue chip quarterback. You have to have one, I would say two blue chip pass rushers. You have to have somewhere somewhere on your offensive playmaking cast, whether they're running back or pass catcher, you need to have a blue chipper somewhere in the mix, preferably on the outside that can catch it. And then you need to have someone on the second level, someone on the second level that's a blue chip. I think you have to have blue chip players in the essential areas and then fill out your roster to be able to do it. If you don't have blue chippers in those core areas, passer, pass rusher, uh, defensive or offensive playmaker, you have a very, very tough time being able to do it. You and I go back and forth on the pass protector thing, yeah. but blue chippers in the P's are essential. Yep, I'm with you on that. I, in terms of intangibles, hungry, humble, and smart, those are the three things for me. You want guys that are hungry. The hungry and the humble kind of go together because if you have humility, you know you don't know everything. You're constantly working. You get guys with good work ethic. They're hungry. Uh, and then the smart, again, I just, you know, it's kind of like that old Bill Belichick thing we've talked about when we go back and look at those notes from that scout school that he did way back in the 1990s. And just don't want you don't want to play with dumb guys, man. You have a dumb a team full of dumb guys. They do they tend to do the dumbest things at the absolute worst moments. So you know, it, 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 it catches up with you. The other thing, DJ, to go along with that, like you talk about guys that are hungry, whatever. The one thing that we have to do is you have to be able to sort out: Do you guys really, really love it? Yeah. Like they have to love the game, and they not not necessarily it's the only thing, but it has to be very important to them because the guys where the game is important, they can be the guys that show up for all the things that are either voluntary or not, they're always around the building because they take so much pride in their personal performance that it then extends to their ability to impress upon their teammates that it's important for you to be there so we're always working. The teams that win are the teams that work. And you got to be able to put in work to be a great team. 
All right, good stuff. Nabil, fire away here. That's the uh, the first question. What we got, number two? What traits do you look for when scouting offensive linemen? This is from Scott for Bolt. Well, Buck, I would tell him, go back and listen to that prototype series um, where we went through every position and we talked to experts. I think on that one, we had Howard Mudd, who was a yeah. legendary offensive line coach. Um, he was outstanding on that. So uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. In terms of some of the basics, you know, Buck, we talk about you got to be you got to be strong. We talk about play strength being an issue mm-hmm. there. You got to be able to anchor. You got to be able to be intelligent. So smart and tough is a good foundation to work with for offensive linemen. Then the ability, you know, I think Howard Mudd talked about this a lot, the ability to recover, you know, and that's the run and pass, just the athleticism. You're in a bad position. Can you recover and get yourself out of it? No, DJ, I think a, a thing that is increasingly becoming a big part of the situation is length. You need to have sufficient length to deal with these superheroes that are playing on the front line, particularly when we were talking about out wide offensive tackle. You need to have arm length. You need to be able to stab. You need to be able to use your hands uh, and redirect. And I think balance. One of the first things that I learned scouting when talking to O-line coaches, they were like, the guy has to stay off the ground. Good offensive linemen are not on the ground. And so when you're tracking them, count how many times they're on the ground because the great ones are not on it because they have great balance and body control. They do a great job of understanding spatial awareness and being able to stay centered so all those things that you talk about with power and the ability to anchor, that takes advantage of all of that. Are they able to maintain their balance with body control? Are they off the ground? Make sure that the offensive alignment that you're evaluating, guys shouldn't be on the turf a ton. Yep, you can write that, the little OTGs, right? When you're watching a player, you write down OTG and you can just put little check marks next to it every time they're on the ground. Keep keep track of that. Guys that aren't on the ground usually – uh, translate a little bit better. So also knee bend, leverage, all that good stuff. But again, go listen to that episode. You'll get a more uh, a detailed answer there. All right, last question here, Nabil. What do we got? What are the most popular schemes in football? And this is from Philly Fan AFS. Buck, I would say the two trends, if we looked, offense would be kind of the Shanahan scheme, which basically is outside mm-hmm. zone. Um, and then being able to work play action off that, that's been the most popular scheme we've seen spread throughout the league. And I'd say probably the Fangio scheme defensively is the one too high um it's kind of taken over here over the last few years yeah now every like like everyone has taken advantage of what teams have done successfully it's a copycat league so we have seen a lot of both of the systems that you alluded to the shanahan system on offense because you and i both talked about it if we were running a team i would want that system because i believe it's the most quarterback friendly system in football it is one that alleviates a lot of the pressure on the quarterback they can make it where average quarterbacks play at a pro bowl level pro bowl Quarterbacks play at an MVP level. And so that is the system that I want. I want one that elevates the performance of the players. And then defensively, Fangio's system is one that is very, very popular. Another one that is popular, even though it has been exposed a little bit, what Pete Carroll and those guys did for years, the Seattle Seahawks cover three system, that hybrid cover three where you had all these teams doing it because it was very simplistic in its execution, but it allowed a team full of athletes to play fast. That is a system that you still see because people want the simplicity that enables your best players to play with their hair on fire. Yeah, the ironic thing is that Pete is is kind of trying to get away from that a little bit and is actually going more towards yeah, the Fangio Fangio's. scheme and the hires that he made and, and making some adjustments, showing that you, you can teach an old dog new tricks there. Um, but, you know, the thing, the beauty about that is you're able to uh, limit big plays, limit explosives. You need to have you, you got to have guys up front that can play the run, fewer numbers. Mm. You got to have safeties that can get involved and do both. They got to be able to make those flat-footed reads, come down there and fill, 
uh, as well as be able to play in space out there. So uh, it's interesting to see kind of the, the way the league has gone with uh, offense and defense over the last few years. Um, all right. Thanks for those questions. Again, you got some more. Drop them in those Apple podcast reviews and we'll get to them. Uh, anything you want to add here, Buck, before we jump out of here? No, nah, great episode, man. I, I, I love doing this kind of stuff. Anytime we can get deep into the weeds when it comes to building a team is great. And I think the questions are very poignant in terms of being able to kind of like even expand upon some of the things that we always talk about from a philosophical standpoint. All right, there you go. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Hope you guys are having an awesome and safe summer. Uh, all the best to you and your families. We appreciate you hanging with us and we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.